know where you are. The Dark Zone 9000! I'm uh, TV Sean Bay from the internet, and uh, that was a 10 out of 10 intro. You're welcome. Uh, with me is the word puncher, Robert Brockway. 11 out of 10, maybe a 12. I don't know. That was great. Uh, Thank you. I'm Brockway. Thank this you. is a Brockway fact. I literally owe my life to a pile of horse shit. No follow-up questions. <sighs> well, since I have no follow-up questions, uh, our, our guest, our recurring guest, is Eddie Doty from... Uh, what, what are you working on? You're at Crown? <laughs> what, are you, what are you from? Yeah. What are you from? Yeah. Where are you from? Uh, Formerly of Twitch and Geek and Sundry and television editing. Uh, you directed a pilot starring TV's Sean Baby from the internet. We did. Uh, yeah. Didn't get picked up, but was no. pretty good. Pretty pretty good. Wow, you'll have to tell us about the pilot sometime. I didn't know Oh, that. my. Sean wrote a whole ass article about it. Not, now, uh, yeah. Not yeah, this my, time. I did a correct article on it. Uh, no, it's, uh, it, it's, it was, we, Sean and I had a thought of wouldn't it be cool to fight monsters? And, uh, like, but, like, scientifically and accurately. And so I kind of came up with a show, and I'm like, do you want to be a part of this? He's like, I was born to do this. And we took it around town, and every net, we literally pitched it to every network, and every network was like, this is amazing. We love it. We can't afford it. And uh, <laughs> well, so, We also got a lot of, we have a show exactly like this. Like, it, it was yeah. uh, around the time of Deadliest Warrior. Yes. And this was 100% just fucking Deadliest Warrior with, like, m- supernatural elements. See, now uh, you and, have like, that. I mean, there was more elements. Like, there was, like, a nerd discussion. We're going to end up talking about the whole show if we talk, because it's a very complicated show. Right, you did it but, You uh, did it all backwards, because now we do have a show where they fuck monsters on Netflix. Right, that's right. You just the wrong tack with it. Yeah. That's right. You're just like 10 years too early. Yeah. Because Pioneers. I was going to fuck a lot of those monsters. Right, that was, yeah, was going to be how you'd feed them. It was actually my secret ploy as like a matchmaking service for Sean. Uh, I never uh-huh. told him that until this, but unfortunately, it. Uh, but you know, it all worked out well in the end. I He's always been before. trying to hook me up with uh, Frankenstein's. I'll yeah. say it again: the like, only woman who can handle you is a werewolf. But yeah, no, uh, my my official title and job is I'm a showrunner for Crown Channel, which is part of uh, Amazon Game Studios. So that's my Crown that's Channel. My, yeah, Crown Channel. I was trying to think of that that industry insider term channel. That's what I couldn't think of. <laughs> yeah, Crown, crown Channel. It's just twitch.tv slash crown. So it's like it's Amazon Prime's uh, gaming like live channel. We do a lot of like cool stuff around video games and I'm working on some cool video game yeah. shows now. That's like my that's my job. That's fine. And you just did that uh, like three months ago. You started that, huh? Yeah. Well, I had been at Twitch for about a year prior to that. And uh, the project I was working on at Twitch uh, was winding down. And then this opportunity presented itself. So they kind of pointed me in this direction. Uh, I had a couple months off, but like uh, then then this started up and it kind of kind of worked out for the best. And it's it's been fun so far. Some good good stuff coming. Um, And maybe who knows? Maybe one day we can bring our monster fighting. Definitely not fucking show. Uh, to the channel, who knows? Right. Well, you are when they have like already lost two hundred grand for an episode budget. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess that is the kind of thing Amazon does, right? They they just kind of throw money at projects sometimes. If we catch the right producer on the right day, we could we could do that. Pretty much. I mean, yeah. It's also like what's cool about it is like there's actually they're they're very thoughtful. Like you hear a lot about Amazon culture about like testing and just writing everything down and like there's a willingness to test things whereas like a lot of other companies are just very risk averse and they're not willing Mm -hmm. to like it's like okay we'll give you five dollars to make this 
uh, but only if it makes us a hundred thousand back. Like there's a, that's there's a lot of right. that prevailing attitude in digital, and, and thankfully Amazon, you know, say what you will, they don't have to worry about that sort of. They're not looking for one show to solve every single problem they're in. Uh, so <laughs> there's a willingness to try things, and so they've been very you know, very. Another thing to ideas. consider uh, yeah. is if we were to use the original script notes. Uh, on my current body, I don't think we could like do an eight hour shoot if like say the shoot was let's go into the bull ring and like let the bull hit Sean for a while. Yeah, that- I don't think that I think that would be a real short shoot at this stage in my life. We're fathers uh, in our mid forties. I don't think I don't think we can do that because yeah, the, watch me die a huge on TV. No, thirty. He, Sean's alluding to a very real fact that like thirty percent of the show was like okay, and then Sean gets fucked up this way, and like it was very yeah. it had it had that sort of like for science. And it had, like, cool payoffs and stuff. But it definitely had skewed into this, like, well, we got to test a werewolf bite. Let's put a bite sleeve on you and throw you in with a canine unit. Uh, yeah, which sounded really fun. I was always very excited to do these things. I was like, I can't wait to make the show and just, like, watch myself get torn apart on TV. And that does not sound fun at all anymore. There's At a no. certain age, you're like, yeah, I... The, the recovery time for a dog bite is much longer in your 40s. Just your, to, that's a hot tip. <laughs> all of your adventures have morphed into tragedies. <laughs> it's 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 gotten to the point like I, I work out four to six days a week depending on how I'm feeling but like I'm at the age now it's like I stretch and I'm like whoo man I could probably stop here but then, but I have to like keep yeah, going enough. yeah that's that's enough there. yeah I'll kill like seven eight attack dogs in the morning and I'll be like that's it that I'm not I'm not doing any more of that today no more don't even let them get in a bite so they can feel good about themselves <laughs> so, uh, any uh, let's plug something for you now because uh, we have a tendency lately to just abruptly end the show so uh don't count (laughs) on having plugs at the end so please where can people find out more about you or watch the show you're running sure absolutely so if you i am pretty stupid on twitter at uh at at, uh, kirby.matrix uh and then the channel i work on is crown so twitch.tv slash crown you can also find us on youtube uh just do crown channel search on youtube you'll find us uh we are currently doing a show uh, that should still be airing by the time this airs, depending on when it is, called uh, Click Sport 2. It's basically eSports meets uh, Mr. Science Theater, and it's pretty fun. That's uh, A friend of mine is working on that one. I'm doing the show called Crown Lounge, and then I'm working on a, a super, super-duper top-secret thing that I can't talk about just yet. But in about, I'd say, mid-November, you'll be hearing a lot more about it, so I'll, you know... Y'all just keep an eye out on, on Crown mid-November time frame. But it's it's actually not that distant from the idea we were just talking about. Like it's like it's like distant cousin. Does it so. rhyme with Buck the Monsters? <laughs> Sadly, no. <laughs> uh, uh, Scrim the no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I don't know. No, I, I don't does have. It, does it rhyme with ambush Sean Baby with attack frogs? <laughs> uh, yes. Because if. Okay, that, does, it does, I'm fucking ready. So I'm it, ready. It, it doesn't rhyme with that. It is actually that. That's the name of it. It's okay. Attack Frog specifically. That's a fun spin. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, you know, trying to mix it up. Well, I'm very excited for today's topic oh. because we're talking about Ultimate Fighting Championship 3, the American dream from, what was this, 1994, 95? 94. Uh, why and why did 94. they call it the American dream? Because this is the American dream to just get fucking your skull caved in for sixty thousand dollars. <laughs> the, 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 the short answer: this. this is why immigrants come to this country is to just get, just to get bashed to death on live TV by by a variety of lunatics. The short answer is: there's no good reason at all. That like in an interesting turn of fate, UFC One was not actually released on VHS initially. 
and so the first one to come out was was two because that actually had like a 16 man tournament uh, mm-hmm. and for that one the subtitle for that one was just there are no rules um and there were several rules yeah. yeah there were several rules clearly defined they got in trouble uh, they couldn't say it Right, but this was the one that they're like, well, should we subtitle these? And then, yeah, they just went back to uh, the, the American Dream, and I forget what they called four uh, and, they, and five. But to, like up until just the a few four years, was, uh, Rise of the Potbelly Pigs. Yes, um, five was Merry Christmas, Kevin Sorbo. Uh, <laughs> that was a sweet. How, one. Do re- how do I remember all these? It's so weird. <laughs> uh, that was a, so, that, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to try to set up the night. Like this was only the third time we'd seen this. Um, the first UFC was um, pretty famously a commercial for the Gracie jiu-jitsu system. Nobody wanted to take jiu-jitsu. So they said, what if we did a tournament to demonstrate how effective it is? And then everyone would want to come learn jiu-jitsu. It 1 million percent worked. And then number two, they However, had a as, 16 as a tournament, tournament. It absolutely did not work. It I was, would agree with it that. It was too. an enormous mess. It was one of the sloppiest <laughs> things I have ever seen. Yes. And uh, no one knew what the fuck they were doing, including the referees. Uh, I'm so happy to including report the announcers. that they learned no lessons from that. And three was even <laughs> weirder and even messier. I cannot believe. I cannot yes. believe nobody learned a single thing from any of that. Three was, was a train also, wreck. Yeah. It was in like every direction. Most, it was so snake bit, like from Jump Street. Like yeah. just and and like the fact that like and this is like uh, what I love is that MMA promoters to this day anyone who starts like a new MMA promoter ends up learning the lesson of UFC three which is like you cannot in any way have any sort of plan for how you want the night to go because like <laughs> right. they clearly positioned Hoist and Ken Hoist Hoist Gracie and Ken Shamrock to meet in the finals. They're they like, well, rain. these these no are the only two guys who can fight. Yeah, these are the only two guys who can fight. Clearly, they're going to end up in the end, and it was heading that direction. And then, like nine different things went wrong. Let's and set them up each with four punchlines, and then then a real fight at the end. <laughs> so, but yeah, that that's the uh, that is the that's the overall like uh, the lesson, and it's the same lesson Dana White learned at UFC 33 when he's like, let's have four title fights, and then they like right. all of them went to five round decisions, and they act that like they lost their pay per view slot in the middle of their final fight of the night because they simply ran out of time, and Jesus. like and also like uh, also UFC learned it again when they were just convinced that uh, that Chuck Liddell was going to beat Randy Couture the first time. And they did like this gigantic, stupid intro for Chuck and Randy Couture just like absolutely murked him in like a round. Yep. Um, so it's and everybody else who tries something, uh, they learn this lesson that we learned back in '94, which is like you can't hope for anything. You just make some, you throw some shit in a pot and see what happens. Uh, and this night went fucking off the rails so fast. Throw a bunch of Aristotle bears in the ring this. and see what they do. <laughs> I would watch that. <laughs> I think that's what yes, we did. This is watch. a. Um... <laughs> So it started off and uh, Jim Brown said that uh, everyone's coming for Hoist Gracie. He was at that time like the greatest martial artist on the planet. I would argue he's had more of a, an impact on martial arts than anybody like up there with Bruce Lee. Uh, and he says he's he's developing new techniques. And he made it sound like he's just working on some secret techniques, which whatever he probably was, he's probably training. Uh, but what in fact was really happening is he had had like a neck injury and hadn't been training for, for weeks at least. Uh <laughs> Which then is Perry a new was technique. Back. Yes, it is a new technique to come in just very tired and just about to break. I can relate to that technique. Uh, that's my favorite fighting style now. 
Uh, ben Perry was back. He had his feathered bangs. Oh yeah. And he, uh, he's, this is a man who's clearly there to, uh, just suck on the Gracie shoes. Yeah, I wrote like that down. Just, oh, this, is, this man was paid by Big Gracie. <laughs> well, he was, yeah. he was, he was a co, I mean, he was, it was nepotism all the way around. Just like Big John was the referee because he trained with Horion in the garage in, in the Torrance, mm-hmm. in the Torrance Academy. So did Ben Perry. Ben Perry worked on Lethal Weapon 4 with Horion. And like, and trained with him from that point onward, and it, it, and yeah, he's he's cred- Ben Perry is credited as like a co-creator of the UFC, but you'll like you'll find mm-hmm. varying degrees of disputing that with depending on who okay. you ask. So, but yeah, he's, no he's in on it. He's that in on it. Kicking yacht hair. <laughs> that, yeah, it's it's super. It's yeah, it's like super. You know, like in um the Tim Burton Batman when like. Everybody has to stop using bathing products because the Joker has poisoned all the like grooming yeah. products. And like they cut to like the news anchor. He always reminded me of that dude, like the guy who's like can't wear anything. Vibes. Yeah, because someone who had a beautiful boy. haircut yesterday, and today without any beauty products, he's just falling apart. And then stepped onto a sailboat. Uh, let's bring up Brian Kilmeade because uh, you might know him from from Fox and Friends. He's the dumb one on Fox and Friends. He's the and dumb I know one how here that too. Sounds. He's the dumb one here too. He always looks like. Like a chimp misunderstanding a magic trick. He just he like cannot talk for shit, but he keeps trying to yes. say things. It's almost admirable. It's almost brave. Can we call the elephant in the room just out the gate? Which is, he does not know how to say the words judo or sumo at all. Like he's, I love that. It's in my notes 20 different times. Yes. Su- sumo and judo. It, he keeps going, and it's his third one. It's or his yeah. yeah, it's like his third UFC, and he's like he's clearly seen. There was a sumo guy in the first fight. There's been several judo yeah. guys at this point. The people and next to him pretty, are saying it correctly yeah, in front exactly. of him. Yeah. Often, I assume while looking at him, and he's just like sumo <laughs> and judo. Judo. <laughs> it's a very common word. Both those are very common words. Yeah, in out of the martial arts UFC. community. It's not like yes. it's not like something super exotic from Southeast Asia like Penchak Salat, where I, I will forgive you if you read that sentence and you and in a Western tongue you did not know how to properly pronounce mm-hmm. that. I'll give you that. I th- but right. judo they're four letters. <laughs> it's like if you yeah. if you unlock and one the pronunciation is O. Yeah. He's of it's the opinion they're three. <laughs> Penchak's a lot, of course, the martial art from The Raid. Go watch yes. The Raid, even if you've already seen it. There was actually uh, so we, there was actually Penchak's a lot in the second UFC in one of the unbroadcast. Um, oh, for real? Yeah, Remco Pardo fucked. Or no, yes, it was Remco Pardo. He fucked up a Penchak's a lot guy. He like he like. Scarf- I imagine he was like a very small, much smaller man. Remco Pardo was like. 280 pounds yeah he was a smaller guy and and the thing with penchak it looks amazing for choreography but sure there's actually like penchak's lock tournaments in southeast asia and, and in europe where it's like weirdly popular and it just looks like point karate it's just a lot of sidekicks and then occasionally okay. like a drop down leg sweep uh it's not like it's you awesome take away their minutes. little curved knives and they're just they can't <laughs> yeah, do anything exactly so, uh, Brian Kilmeade, uh, he runs us through the laws of the octagon, and there's three laws of the octagon. Uh, there's no rounds, no time limit, and no way out. At least one of those a lie. Yeah. Because I they then that. make a big deal of talking about the gate. There's one oh, way to get God. in and one way to get out, and it's the gate. 
And we did not hire <laughs> quality contractors. <laughs> it does break twice. <laughs> it breaks twice. Like, to make a big deal talking about how invincible this octagon is and it'll never break, then it breaks the first time. Which I, Fucking I Sumu we, guy throws the guy right through that. Throws Just throws him through it like it was nothing. They're like, the power on this man. You can't imagine it. And then later on, just somebody else accidentally kind of stumbles through yeah. the gate. Maybe a couple hundred eighty pound dudes. Maybe hit. lock the gate. Maybe there's like a latch. <laughs> well, and that's maybe like it's the same octagon from the first two. It's not like they went out and like fabricated a new one, right? Like this thing had just been sitting in storage. Well, maybe they should I'm, have. Maybe yeah. Well, I'm just kind of surprised that it took three UFCs for like someone to like f- stress test the gate. You know what I mean? Like it just for some reason this is the first time anyone had the thought of like, hey, I'm just gonna push a dude through the gate. <laughs> but uh yeah I, I love that that the uh that these are the laws they kind of go over them as if like they need more of an explanation uh then they show the warm-ups of the fighters which are kind of hilarious at the time because they're all doing traditional martial arts like chemo is doing like these little baby high oh, kicks on the bag which yep. are, are just adorable harold howard is throwing like hook kicks at his dungeon master and then they got like <laughs> uh something that i think is actually good for the broadcast they had like a primer on fighting and like uh, here's the striker and a grappler and a wrestler and all this. And the, explains it as if you've never heard of fighting before, which, of course, at the time, no one really had. And then they just stopped doing this. Like, I, I remember watching UFCs as high as, like, 250 with someone in the room who's like, why don't they just do this? You know, someone who just doesn't know fighting outside of movies. And I'm like, yeah, why don't they just spend 40 seconds at the top of every broadcast to sort of say, like, here are the... Here's what fighting is. Here's what it's going to look like. Get Get prepared for disappointment for the most <laughs> right. part. Well, I remember they did that for two, they, but they did like much more granular in two. They were like, these are the styles, Muay Thai, Penjax Law. Right. Like, I mean, they are exotics. That was like my favorite, like, yes, subcategory, exotics. exotics. But yeah, they, I was kind of shocked at that too, especially considering so many of the first like 15 UFCs, uh, at least a quarter of them would end with something that didn't make sense if you, if you didn't know anything about fighting at all. Like, it's like right. when Hoist taps Ichihara in two, you have no idea what the hell caused that. Like, it doesn't look like an arm bar. You like, what was that like a sleeve choke? It was a sleeve choke. Yeah, it was a sleeve choke. He had the arm trapped, but he, he was a sleeve choke. And like, and no one fucking knew that at all. No one like, it it, it was just one of those things where, gonna um, go ahead and bet the uh, announcing team didn't either. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Kathy long did not know it. Like, and, and bill Superfoot Wallace, like good luck with that. But uh, I would let Kathy long not know whatever she wants. (laughs) Hey, Kathy. Um, but no, it was just like, it was, uh, to your point, Sean, it's like just a, a tiny little bit of explanation. About Kathy Long. So good. Yeah. I so. like that in the conver- in the introduction to like what fighting is and what it's going to look like that they cut to the sumo guy from the first one as their cautionary example. Yes. And then, but then they say he was going in for a grapple and just totally ignoring that he went in for the hundred hand slap and just, <laughs> just tapped punch a bunch and it did not work at all. He just fell over. Didn't and, work. And died, I guess. <laughs> but then he gets yeah, no, to live no, on. He, remember, he changed his name and he's on Hawaii Five-0 right. now. Right. <laughs> like, a part of him Taylor died. Willie. Taylor his, Willie, yeah. His old and he was, in, uh, he was in Forgetting Sarah Marshall, too. Like He was so good of in that. Course, he, yeah. was like, he was like so, so good in that movie. Um, okay, yeah. Everybody knows that off the top of their heads, except for us. <laughs> everybody else like, oh, yeah, of course. It's the sumo guy that changed his name because he embarrassed himself doing the 100 hand slap in UFC 1. <laughs> yeah, everybody knows about it. So I think we did have a 30 minute discussion about like, no, he didn't change his name. We had to like fucking Google it while we were on the show. <laughs> yeah, everybody just knows it off the top of their head. <laughs> I was listening to that episode in driving and I'm like, he was. I was like screaming at my at my radio, like, he was. God damn it, Google it. And then finally, you guys so it. So it was, like, it was, how do you not know? 
it's, yeah. it's, it's all good. He, to be fair, he's a um, cautionary example. Ha- half of his teeth ended up in like the audience and and Gerard yeah. foot. So it's and like a Nazi's foot. A Nazi's, Nazi's foot. foot. Nazi foot teeth. <laughs> That's a good place for a tooth to end up. A lot of our teeth are just going to get thrown in the ground. That dude. His teeth are in a Nazi foot, so good for his teeth. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was a little jealous that uh, somebody else got to do the first one, but it makes more sense that I do three because three was the first one that I ordered live on pay-per-view in the original broadcast. Nice. See, we three was that, like right? We one. did our research. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You guys, just the, the, the dog's own team of researchers, like found that fact and made the perfect call. No, I was going to say the, um, I found out by UFC because I was competing in a karate tournament in Long Beach and in the lobby, they had a poster for U- advertising UFC 3. And they had a little TV showing UFC 2. And it was the Pat Smith fight where he just, like, obliterated that dude's head with elbows. Um, yeah. And that was the first time I had seen, like, real men fighting. Like, not like a schoolyard scrap, but, like, adults beating the shit out of each other in any context. And I was like, oh, my God. This is, like, <laughs> it kind of blew my mind. And then I'm like, I remember thinking, like, well, I have to order this pay-per-view when it comes out in a couple months. <laughs> So. Is that the UFC where Pat Smith hit that like he opened with a front kick and just caved in that dude's chest? That's six. That's uh, to this day. Okay. That's one of my favorite fights ever. He like yeah. he runs across the cage, lands a lead leg front kick, and the dude goes f- literally off his feet, flying, hits his yeah. butt, and then slides and skids and hits the cage wall. And, like, it was the fucking best. Fucking amazing. To this day, that's one of my favorite like fights. And then he ends it with like. A standing rear naked that he like falls back to. It was like it's such a mm-hmm. it's such a glorious like mess. Burn that charge bar for its thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he hit the run button and uh, and then just hit the the million hit combo. So uh, the let's get started in the tournament. Uh, the show claims that it was a blind drawing. Uh, we find that suspect. No <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was Emmanuel Yarborough representing the style of sumu. And I can't believe they got another me. sumo fighter after using the first sumo fighter as a cautionary example in the intro yeah. to what fighting is. They were like, let's do this again. It famously never worked out for sumo guys <laughs> like throughout the entire history of MMA. Uh, he was fighting Keith Hackney, who whose style was called Kempo Kung Fu, which martial arts nerds might recognize as not a thing. Uh, strip mall. That's strip mall karate. <laughs> right. Right. They later corrected that to Kempo Karate. Uh, well, Brian Kilmeade yeah. literally says these words. This is not, not very interesting match. Not a very interesting fight. <laughs> I don't think okay, he meant let's, to say Let's that. mention real quick. Uh, Yarborough was six foot eight and 616 pounds. That yes. is not even a man anymore. That is a natural attraction. That is just, yeah. that is an <laughs> obstacle. And you, and you're, and you face a him off station. against like... I don't know, an ordinary size, ordinary looking strip mall dojo yeah, he was guy. 200 pounds. He was, if you met him, you'd be like, this seems like a tough yeah, guy. Yeah, he seems like he's, he's in good shape. I would Literally not, three times bigger than him. I would not make him fight a rhino. <laughs> and, and if I did, I wouldn't say, oh, this isn't a very interesting fight. I will give you that it was a wreck, but it was very interesting. You know, it's like, and it, it didn't turn out to be true here, but you know, normally this is like a good primer for a first time UFC watcher of the first 10 when Rich G-Man Goins does his intro and the intro for Hackney was like he is a he's a fourth degree black belt and whatever Kempo fine whatever and then he's like the the copy that he had written was 
a practitioner for 15 years in this style of martial art. And it's like, that, that. that means nothing. That means absolutely yeah. nothing of anything. That's like, but that's like, you could tell that was written by Hackney or his manager or his people as like a thing that would traditionally impress people. If you had trained right. in martial arts for 15 years, like pre UFC, that might mean something. It doesn't mean nothing, I guess, but like in that era, that absolutely could mean that he's been doing like Shotokan karate at the mall for, since third grade. You right. Know, it, it, yes. I still believe that's, that's what that means. That's literally the yes. intro to The Perfect Weapon. Like, the intro to The Perfect Weapon with Jeff Blake. It's like, it just shows him, he, he finds he finds Kempo in a strip mall, he starts training, he gets really good at it. It's not like yep. his grandmaster was killed and he's avenging him, or, like, fucking, or anything else, like, interesting or mysterious. It's like, no, he he paid his monthly dues. Seemed and like a fun he, way to stay in shape. And, he's, and, he, and he got good at it, and now he's teaching at the strip mall now he's the perfect weapon now he's the perfect weapon that's how you make a perfect weapon uh i like how jim brown says it's the size of a man versus the quickness of another man (laughs) (laughs) it was that jim brown i love it he's Uh, the only one that has any semblance of knowing what he's talking about without being paid to talk about it in a certain way ben perry like he's probably he's a legitimate tough guy uh one of the greatest of all time uh and he just has no insecurity. That is his experience. Yes, that is his that resume. <laughs> uh, I always thought uh, he he has good broadcast skills. Like when his broadcast partner says sumo, he doesn't say it's actually Salmu. He does say sumo at him in a very like clear way. Yeah. Like, can He's you learn from this? And he Brian Kilby does not learn from that. No, he doesn't so, learn from a lot. So, did you mean sumo, Jim Brown? <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, man. Uh, they do say that um, the referee can now stop the fight. That's that's a new rule in UFC 3. Uh, he does not, but he could if he wanted to. If also, he was not, not, yeah. also was not in the rules that they just laid out. Nobody nobody at any point looked over anything of what they were doing. They were just like, they got together and was like, let's do that again. Yeah, why not? Seems like fun. You guys had fun last time, right? I did. I have so much fun. The first UFC I saw, was it blew my mind. And Wh- which one was one, the first one you saw? Was it two or was it like... Because two was the one that like, was all over certain it was. I'm certain it was... Uh, it must have been two, but I remember it as one. Right. I guess it was... Right. But yeah, whatever showed up in Blockbuster was the first one I saw. But yeah, it changed my life. I was like, this is the coolest shit I've ever seen. Even when it was terrible, I loved it. So let's talk about the other um, quarterfinal matchups they're setting up real quick before we get into the specific fights. Yes. Uh, the other, the next quarterfinal will be Ken Shamrock shoot fighting versus Chris Leninger, Leninger, Leninger. They say it never say many it right. different ways. <laughs> and his fighting style is judo, jodo, and judo. Again, <laughs> I'm not sure which one is which. <laughs> but uh, Ben Ben does say that it'll be the best fight of the night. He's sure of it. Uh, which is weird because he no was supposed reason. to be talking about. I think it's because Gracie will just just beat everyone so easily. This will actually be the good fight. And um, Chris Leninger looks kind of amazing. Like, he kind of looks like a like a Randy Couture tough guy. Yeah. And he's just kind of casually just launching this dude with judo throughs. Like, he's like, like these beautiful judo book pictures. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it just looks like effortless perfection of judo. Which, again, is, uh, you know, maybe not your thing. But this guy seems very, very good for this air of martial arts and yet he kind of um, looks like a really tired dad at like sitting in the yeah. sidelines at a soccer game yes okay like a like a soldier that just doesn't have it in him anymore yeah he's he's just like yeah. oh that's fine i'll show up for the seminar like 
<laughs> it's like yep. there's a famous story of Ken Shamrock literally thinking he was being booked for a pro wrestling show, and then he shows up and he realizes it's an actual fight. And it's like right. he's told that story before. And so it's like I always thought like, did Christoph Leninger think he was doing like a judo match at all? Or <laughs> like it's Yeah, that could that could be. Uh well the next one is Roland Payne, and he is a Muay Thai fighter. Uh, and he looks like he's just a traditional Muay Thai fighter from Omaha, one of those uh, great sure, Omaha the hubs. Um, yeah, the hubs of Muay Thai. Yeah, Muay. <laughs> yeah. I thought he and was from. I thought he was their local boy. I thought he was from North. He Carolina. was. He was from. Yeah, he was from North oh, Carolina. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Was, I, but even so, North Carolina in the because in the early I, I wrote down in his intro that he uh, yeah <laughs> he wants to introduce you to North Carolina style pain. Oh, we'll that's adorable. Because that's his name, too. Oh, Roland. oh, Roland Payne. Yeah. And he was fighting Harold Howard, who's one of my all-time favorite uh, UFC characters. Iconic. He's a- absolute favorite. He is amazing. <laughs> he is just... God, my God, he is stealing copper up to the point that they introduce him. Like <laughs> He comes in wearing Canada pants and a tank top, and I guarantee he did not get dressed for this fight. He's coming here straight from a barbecue. And his yeah. black belt. And his black belt. Again, <laughs> yes. again I guarantee, wearing that straight yeah, he, from the Canadian barbecue the he came from. <laughs> Canadian barbecue. <laughs> Just, uh, uh, he's a karate man from Canada uh, with a big mullet. As all meth heads uh, are. In the yes, sense, absolutely. he uses karate in the sense that a man on just eight pounds of meth will use karate. <laughs> does does correct. Brockway, do you not know the fate of Harold Howard by any chance? I don't know anything about anything. Who that wants to first... tell him? I think we should wait until the, okay, yeah. the yeah, until you we're don't, talking later. You can't spoil okay. it. Let's just set it up. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Ben makes predictions for this fight between one stand-up fighter and another stand-up fighter. He says, this is going to go to the ground. <laughs> uh, Harry... Harold will take him to the ground pretty quickly. He doesn't have time to explain. They're just, they just keep moving. And that's sort of the, what Ben brings with all of his color commentary. He's just jamming shit in every two seconds. That makes no reasonable sense, no explanation. And then they move on. My, I'll save it uh, for later, but my favorite piece of Ben Perry commentary comes during the chemo and hoist fight. Uh, but I'll save okay. it. I'll save it until we talk about that one. We might, I might have the same thing in my notes. Probably. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Hoist Gracie is the next quarterfinal. He's, of course, jujitsu, and he's fighting Kimo, whose style is listed as Taekwondo. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> let's see, what is it? Jim Brown says about Kimo, he says he has the muscles, the attitude, and one of those things that scares him to death. Well, you mean a ponytail? A little ponytail? Yes. Jim yeah, Brown has exactly a pair of ponytails. Yeah. Yeah. ponytails. <laughs> well, that's what Brian Kilmead said. He looked at him all confused and went, what do you mean a little ponytail? <laughs> Jim Brown was just like, yes. Yeah. I know what I said. I'm telling you, I'm fucking terrified of it. And and you know, it's I like think a Jim snake Brown on the was back of a head. I think Jim Brown would be vindicated <laughs> with with the, the snake fight of itself. the head. Snake of the head. That was, uh, saw them. Like, did, Sean, didn't we see them at Coachella in 06? Snake of the head. Uh, snake of the head. Yeah, they're great. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I think that's it. That's the quarterfinals. Can I just um, say I wrote down here, and I I will be proven so wrong. And I will be so happy to be proven wrong, but I wrote down here, I was promised, I am only watching this because I was promised there was a ninja in it. I'm only here for the ninja. Why is there no ninja? Yes. I know. They sneak up on you. I was just, that was, that's the point. Of course the ninja's not here yet. Of course the ninja's not here. What kind of crap ass ninja would make this competition? right next to you, Brockway. (laughs) Exactly. But I will say when they said, 
they introduced Kimo, they said he was a street fighter and a layman's preacher that spread that fights to spread the word of God. Like that's your fucking lead. That is your lead. Yeah. Introduce me to that character. That's yeah. I want to watch his movie. He is yes. welcome to the Mental ring illness. by a convicted rapist and murderer. Yeah. Yes. He, I I wrote down this man has to be a convicted rapist and murderer. I, I basically his, did. His manager literally was. Really was. He's not? Chemo is not. Uh, Chemo, you had some other shit, but you're but telling no, me Joe that San, guy with that face. Jo, yeah, Joe San, his his manager, famously played uh, uh, what's his name in Austin Powers, Random Task in Austin Powers, would later go on to be convicted of rape and then murder while he was in prison. But Chemo has been convicted of nothing. You're telling me of nothing. I, I don't. I, th- I think I, I don't. I don't know for certain. I, if he does, it's probably something small, like like aggravated assaults or something like it was like Man, on that just, level they must not have yeah. caught him yet yeah get, well i mean there's also a ninja presence so who knows like it's right. it, 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 this entire period is considered inconclusive because you introduce he probably a ninja tied a horse I, yeah. I, i'm thinking he probably tied a horse to joe son's prison cell and tried to rip the bars <laughs> off the wall i don't think he even used the horse i think he went up there with the power yes. of jesus <laughs> just just gave the conan speech Jesus, if you don't tell me, if you don't help me now, then to hell with you. Try to bend the bars. It, at least seventeen counts of that. So they uh, they start the fight. It's Manny Yarborough, six foot eight, six hundred sixteen pounds against uh, tiny Keith Hackney, normal sized human man. And uh, Ben says that he's Keith wants to use some rapid fire strategy. You don't want to go for an arm lock or a foot lock. You want to choke him out right away. So uh, Ben again with very strange strategies that he never explains, uh, and. Here we are. Let's let's talk about this first fight. I just love Keith Hackney. I just I want to like Keith. Yeah. This is not his last fight. He actually goes on to fight in a few more UFCs and and has like a modicum of success after this fight. Um, he he I, does I, spend a couple minutes punching Joe Sun in the dick. Yeah. Uh, yes. Several UFCs later. Several a few UFCs later, and he fights Royce Gracie in in, in four. But like what what I love about Keith Hackney is that. If you know anything about Kempo, Kempo, by the way, is like a what we call a modern martial art, which was like basically someone's grandpa in Hawaii remembered some stuff from when their grandpa lived in Japan and threw in boxing, wrestling, kung fu and karate. And then they just kind of called it Kempo. Sure. That's that's what Kempo is. And if you ever watch Kempo, it's just a bunch of like it's what Jeff Speakman does in Perfect Weapon. It's a bunch of tiny little punches. Super fast. That's all it is. Short range, is tiny punches. Literally the one I did at a strip mall. That is my martial arts experience. Yeah, I did it when I was 12 yeah. at a strip mall until I was like, oh, video games are better than this. Yeah, the video <laughs> games are. I mean, Kempo is the video game martial art. It's you're spamming a button as fast as possible. And what the best part about this fight is that like within three seconds, Keith Hackney just throws an open hand overhand slap to the face and it yeah, works. And it is, slap. it is the most unkempo technique ever. <laughs> you faced like, okay, we know how the fight turns out, but looking at him, you have to think as that guy, this is my boss fight. Like this is my boss fight yeah. of life. I am yeah. looking there at it. There is no right fight now. after this. Yeah. Here is my moment. Yeah. I, it's all out the window. Like, why not try running slap? The guy's fucking six foot 20. Like, you're just, what else are you going to do? He's just to reach him. It's it's like very much, uh, if you were psyching yourself up to like knock a hornet's nest off your roof, like, yeah. this is the attack you would do. It's the bad idea slap. Yeah, it's just like, okay, I got to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm fucking doing <laughs> I just, it. I just got to do it before I think about it. 
<laughs> if I think about it, I'm not going to do it. And it works. Uh, they, they, they scramble around. Uh, they, they get back to their feet and, and Manny Yarborough is so strong that he throws Keith Hackney through the gate and into the crowd. And Brian Kilmeade This invincible screams, gate. That was Sumu. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love him so much. And then he, I think he says he's coming in with Sumu and Judo, which I loved because he jammed it all together. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh-huh. that, that was like a big epiphany for him. It's like I've watched three of these things. I've 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 built some confidence in my knowledge. I'm gonna let the audience know this is Judo and Sumu. Like there's <laughs> such pride in how we said it. It's just he did it. Great job, Brian. And uh, Keith Hackney like hits him with a few more shots. Uh, he's throwing leg kicks right, and and uh, the big man grabs his foot, which does not help if that's your only plan. So he just gets punched in the face several times. Falls down onto his face. Keith Hackney jumps on his back and he's just pounding him. Now, again, th- we're two minutes away th- from them saying the referee now has the power to stop a fight. And this would be the time to do it when one guy is literally not moving on his face and the other guy is punching him in the back of the head as hard as he can. Uh, he doesn't stop. Uh, I think he finally taps, right? Like, like Big John never ends that fight. Now you're yeah, skipping he, he several times he- where he just fell over for very little reason. And That's like true. this is yes. this is the large man's weakness is getting back up. <laughs> he has tried, he has got back up at least four times during this fight. He does not have a fifth. Like it, he was not felled by a remarkable blow. He just like fell down and was like, no, right. I'm not getting he back up. Just, his way it of, takes too long to get up. Let him chew his on way, me for a while. Emmanuel's way of blocking the punches was like literally he's he's in a turtle position and the punches are coming in on his right side of his face. So he takes his uh-huh. left hand and kind of just holds up his hand and it looks like me when I'm like holding up my hand for my daughter to punch. It's like that right. like level. But then there's like two shots that kind of get through and he's like, ah, I'm done. He's just like, he's at that point he taps yeah. and I feel he bad. He just didn't like it. Yeah. He, in the post interview, he's like almost on the verge of tears and he's just like, ah, yeah, I did my best. And like, you kind of feel. Yeah. Like, he's like, I've never been hit flush before. Like this is a man who just got punched in the face with the first time in his yes, life. And yes. You know, that's emotional. That's yeah. an emotional time. Big time. You don't want to share that with fucking Brian Kilmeade. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, he gets up and, uh, just to add insult to it, they they announced to the audience, the viewers, how much he made for that. So he I gets know, his goddamn skull caved in, and they tell you that he got $1,000 for his effort. $1,000. his effort. Just if there's, a, yes. if there's a better shade to throw at a fighter losing a match, you get $1,000 for your effort. $1,000. And then you get $5,000 for winning, for moving up to the next level. Like, why have you announced their pay grades? It's like the trashiest thing and the saddest thing I could imagine. I mean, it still seems like good money in the 90s, but... The saddest thing I thought of when I saw that was that back in the day, in my in like 99, 2000, I was filming my documentary about what was at the time underground MMA because by that point, it was not legal. You had to go to like tribal or First Nation land to like watch fights. And the pay was so, so hysterically bad. I was interviewing fighters in 99, 2000, five, six years after this, who were getting paid like barely $500 if they won, $250 if they didn't win. So it was just like, how was fighter pay better in 94 in the third one of these ever than, than like several years later? Like it was just, and like to this day, fighter pay is like a huge, huge issue in MMA. Like even now, like you have like fighters like running GoFundMe accounts just so that they can pay their training. Like, it's just, it's, it's so disgusting, like, to see that lack of evolution, like, from then to now. Right. 
boxing is still lucrative because of, uh, you know, corrupt gambling and things like that. Oh, but yeah. Like MMA never quite got in on that. And so, uh, so yeah, fighters don't make it. How anything. did this and place it's, have it's, the money? How did UFC, after showing UFC one, I get tricking the investors for UFC one. It sounds awesome. <laughs> You're like, look, we're just going to do blood sport. Like, do, do your kids like Street yeah. Fighter? They're going to like this because we're just casting like Street this. Fighter. Yeah, you get money for this. But then once they see it, they're like, what the fuck was that? How did because, you get more money for three? Because one and two both killed on pay-per-view. Like, the pay-per-view should be saying. It's amazing to me. No, word of mouth between one and two was ridiculous. Like, two did. I cannot believe two, this thing took off. Two did over, <laughs> I want to say two did over 100,000 buys, which is like at, at like 30, I think it was like, Twenty nine ninety nine or thirty nine ninety nine back in the day, like it was legitimately a, a a success. And then the money from the VHS of two was starting to come in as well. So like you'll see as you go through these Broadway, you'll see like an escalating um, improvement in production quality overall and and in prize money as well up until about UFC twelve. And then the bottom just completely falls out, and John McCain like makes it his personal mission to like right. destroy this thing. And then at that suspiciously, point, suspiciously, yeah. Uh, Boxing lobby friend John yeah. McCain. Yeah, yeah. Who, yeah. by the way, all of the uh, cable companies, a lot of their Nexus hubs pass through Arizona. So, like, right. he had like a throttle of of like the cable industry lobby. So, like, when boxing was like, it was like you, you. He had legitimate power over this thing. It was. It, mm-hmm. There's like, there's been books written about this during this time. It's it's still fascinating to see how it all happened. Right. I'm sorry, um, while you guys were talking, like, knowledgeable <laughs> stuff about fighting, I tuned out a little bit and started looking up uh, to see if I could find Ken Shamrock's anime. I, I couldn't. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, they did announce that in Japan he's got, like, his own laser tag arsenal and anime and serial. And it's just like, I don't know if he's that's got, true. I think Ken Shamrock his told own you that. anime and his own video game. Right. Again, not heard of that video game. Literally yeah, never. The best no, yeah. I've found so far is... Is a forum post where somebody's like, I really want to see the Ken Shamrock anime. And somebody else said that they <laughs> met him and he's like, yeah, the name's in Japanese. I don't know it, but it's cool. I, uh-huh. I, if I'm remembering correctly, like before Pancrase, which was the Japanese organization that he was fighting for, he was a member of this thing called the UWF, which was a pro wrestling outfit. I think the video game was like a UWF video game. And I think oh, okay. the anime so was just... like, yeah. Okay. So it's not like he was, so, he wasn't the star. You know what I mean? Well, Ben said when they showed Ken Shamrock, he said he's got a great movie career ahead of him if he keeps that face. And then when he gets in the ring, Jim Brown says, very bluntly, great body. So Ken Shamrock's the total package. Jim Brown's the total package. Wouldn't it fucking... <laughs> when Yarrow threw uh, Hackney through the, through the ring, was it, was it Ben or Brian? Somebody said, he's, look at that strength. Look how strong he is. And, and then it was after the fight, Jim Brown went, oh, not strong enough. <laughs> the guy just lost he's like crying on the way out Jim Brown leans forward like kind of giggling not strong enough <laughs> try to be bigger next time asshole uh, maybe if you were 6 foot 10 right, right so Christoph Leininger is his opponent uh, and he didn't do super great he pulled guard and threw like a whole bunch of tiny little baby punches the into the cutest, very top of the Ken cutest Shamer. little punches yeah very like, like, the like least. something he's never probably tried before. Like punching a human skull sucks, and he's also not punching hard enough to really damage it. So he's mostly just trying to break his his hand on Ken Shamrock's head. Yeah, I don't know much uh, about fighting, but I know I wouldn't punch a guy in the top of the skull. 
Right. <laughs> I, I probably it, would like my hand more than that. That was that um, that movie called Gladiator. I think it was uh, Brian Dennehy did that. He like headbutted the guy's bare knuckle punches and then shattered his hand. That movie that was around this era. That movie. I don't want to jump to four, man. But I, like the, my favorite story ever about that movie is that the night before UFC four. Hoist Gracie was in his hotel room. That movie was on pay-per-view. Yes. He saw that scene and was like, yep. I'm going to try that. And sure He's enough, like, that he, would fight, work. he fights Keith How Hackney. How do you not? How do you He's, not try that? You, you can watch the moment. It's so glorious. Because like, Hoist is on the bottom. It, like He has his guard. Keith is standing over him. You can tell Keith is about to throw a punch. And you can, I swear to God, you can see like Hoist thinking about it. And then <laughs> Keith throws the punch and Hoist like drops his head and like catches it on the crown of his head. And Keith never throws a right hand after that point. Yep. Like it's the most glorious thing. So it works. It, yeah, it even works. works. Oh, I thought it was just dumb enough to be in a movie, but that's great. <laughs> that's great that he pulled off like the execution. But Kemp Chamrock didn't do that. He was just sitting there and Leninger yeah, was just, just like, just... I am going to punch the top of your head now for a good minute and a half. And uh, yeah, so they go for four and a half minutes, which I think might have been a really long fight at the time. The crowd's getting a little restless. Uh, we're used to it now. We're used to like 25 minute, like boring fests. But at the time, four minutes of guys wrestling was like, dude, this is, this sucks. <laughs> do and, something. Uh, <laughs> yes, do something. And then Christoph just tapped to very tired. Like yeah. there's, no one was hurting him or punching him. He's just like, okay, this fucking sucks. I need a nap. And he just tapped. He's like, I'm done. Which... Just you don't see that. I don't know. It's had to have happened other times, but like I can't think of any other times in the UFC that that's happened. But (laughs) like judo, there's no punches and kicks in judo, and this guy is just clearly a straight judo guy. So like you can you could be a a Olympic level judo person, and the first time someone hits you in the face, it could be like to your point, like a really emotional thing. There was this um, there was this MTV show on several years back called Final Foo. And it was like, it was point karate on MTV. And it was just so, it was just like literally. Oh, I remember. Yeah. And like, I remember there's no head strikes at all. It was literally just all like body punches and, and kicks and like total point karate rules. And I remember one of the, one of the competitors just took like a spinning back kick to their torso. And then they like started crying mid fight and they're like, whoa, did you, get hit? Like, did you get hit in the face? And she was like, no, it just shook my head back. And it's like, you could tell she had never felt impact of any yeah. kind before because traditional martial arts just like had you conditioned to like not think about what real punches or kicks actually felt like well in final foo i remember uh you would get there's points for like your attacks like if you hit somebody in the leg you got a point if you did like a spin before your kick you got yes. three points yes. but if it was like a torso attack you got two points and there's nothing quite as fast as just punching someone in the chest you can test this on your friends at home and so the smart people would get in these fights, all these like spinning martial artists, and they'd just be like, tap, 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 just chest, just blast into their chests. And I'm like, this is the dumbest sport that can be gamed this easily. But if you do get a time machine, go back to Final Fu episode one, punch them in the chest 50 times, you'll be the Final Fu champion. Yeah. No training. No training whatsoever. None needed. Because you're Final yeah. Fu. This is our 28th uh, digression in in what five minutes? Nested parentheses of a podcast. I blame myself. I blame myself. <laughs> yes, this is the nested parentheses of podcasts. So that fight ends uh, very ingloriously. Just, well, give Shamrock um, some credit. He he just he put him in like a position there for a little bit, where he just sure. lined up some very slow, careful punches 
because he yeah. had all the time in the world. It was like he was designing a punch. Like he's just measure out a punch and then deliver it. Like he had so much time to just these very precise punches. I think at that point, he's got to just realize like, I don't, I don't want this to happen anymore. Even if he got out of it. Right. It, he was 40 minutes away from getting knocked out. Yeah, but but <laughs> it, he, he made the right choice. I just don't think it was a very he was courageous like punch choice. Punch beta testing for Ken Shamrock. Just it doesn't seem like a lot of fun. It didn't seem like he was having as much fun as he thought. So we're going to move on to Roland Payne, 27-0 and 0 in bare-knuckle competition, which again, I don't think this is true. Uh, 24 of those wins were by knockout. Uh, I think he's <laughs> listing like seventh grade fights he's been in. Uh, none of none of the, there was no organization listed. I, this is another thing that happened in early UFCs. Guys come in and be like, I'm 150 and 0. I cleaned up the streets. Undisputed uh, participant in 17 grade school fights. <laughs> yes. my, my absolute favorite example of that. So the guy we were just talking about that Pat Smith kicked through like the mid through midair. I forget yeah. his name, but about six months later, that dude went on Footprint to fight Jenkins. Yeah, he went on to fight in the same in extreme fighting, which was like a, a you know a, a copycat at the time. And right. so going into that fight with Pat Smith, he was like, his record is. 30 and 0 in unsanctioned fights. He gets, and then Pat Smith just totally murks him. And then, like, six months later, right. he shows up in extreme fighting going, his record is 44 and 0. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> we just saw you on pay per view get destroyed. But that now we can do the math. Every loss is worth 14 wins. Exactly. So, yes. <laughs> so that well, means you, he was, okay. You can do the math. He lost about 2.3 fights before he met Pat Smith. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so Roland Payne comes in and it, he kind of looks like a decent Muay Thai guy. Like if you saw him in a Muay Thai gym, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think it was his first day. And, uh, Harold Howard looks like a complete joke. Like if you saw him, you're like, this guy remembers his fourth grade karate lessons and he's, you know, a wife beater now. Like, yeah. He, yeah. he, he practices this Just on the a local police. Fucking human El Camino. Yeah. he's he's wearing his like they live glasses in his intro he's the only guy wearing like a cool face prop (laughs) nobody else brought like a cowboy hat or anything just before we get to both of you so much you have to both have this in your notes what he says with those glasses when he takes them off i I was gonna say somebody else should do the catchphrase the the one contribution i had to this is is to your point like you would think he wouldn't know what the hell he's doing his fighting stance did not aid him in his argument that he knew what he was doing. His fighting stance was a bladed stance with his left leg forward, both hands down. Both just hands hands down, down, face first, just karate. down, face first, and then just bouncing <laughs> vertically. He's not yes. doing cool boxer shuffling footwork or like anything. What he, what he is doing is the meth pogo. Like that is definitely a guy that's on just that magical yep. amount of meth where you can do very well in a UFC competition. I, I'm, I'm hoping the dog's own community can make a Super Bowl shuffle style rap song called the meth pogo. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a challenge for the dog's own community. Yeah. Anyway, he says, uh, if you're going to come on, then come on. Did I get that right? Yeah, it's very close if you're to that. you're going to come on, then come on. We have a saying back home. He's from Niagara Falls. He says, we have a saying back home. If you're coming on, come on. And he takes off his glasses dramatically in the middle of it. It's so well practiced. He looks at you with his little why. pug face. His weird <laughs> tiny was... pug face and his giant mullet. <laughs> he does have a pug face. His unique approach to dental hygiene. Uh, he's just got like this mile wide gap tooth. Which is meth. You can just, yeah. You, which is yeah. just, it's occupied. Some, we're just plugging meth rocks in the gaps like their teeth. 
he uh he has his his dungeon master, this other mulleted guy from his suburban karate class, is holding like a bag. He has a bag of cement like wrapped with, up with duct tape with like a and, junior version of his mullet. He has like yes, like a mullet he hasn't junior. graduated to the second degree mullet yet. <laughs> so he's he throws like a big ass hook kick into the bag, kind of misses, fucks his buddy up. While he's holding the cement bag and then just rips through the duct tape. And it kind of looks like awesome. Like it looks like he's tearing up this like it is great, cement like, bag. Movie but like movie. literally anyone who's ever lifted a cement bag knows that every three cement bags you move, it bursts open. Like this is not a huge feat of strength that he's doing. It just it just looks kind of awesome. I believe Jim Brown uh, makes fun of him later. Somebody else says, yes. burst that bag. And Jim Brown's like, yeah, yeah, he did bust the bag. <laughs> yeah, the, I the moved other- the bag of cement, asshole. The other part of that like hype video that is my favorite part is that yeah, they would film a lot if you especially in two you saw this a lot they would be like they'd film like footage b roll of like every fighter doing their art right like their style right and uh, my favorite Ken Shamrock doing like his stuff in jeans with no shirt on is is so is like Pete Ken Shamrock but with Harold Howard he's clearly doing a kata and like making a yeah. scary face when he does a kata the problem is, is that the cameraman is zoomed in entirely on his face you don't it's the best you don't know what his body is doing you just know <laughs> that he's looking down and then all of a sudden he just growls and you have no context for what it is he's doing and it's my so they oh. announce him as a black belt and <laughs> Cheeto Roo, uh, which is <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yes. fantastic. Yes, I'm sure. I'm oh, sure that's not. <laughs> I'm sh- sure that's not what it uh, says on the strip mall sign. Dojo next to a photo kiosk in your rich, local Walmart. Rich the <laughs> Rich the G Man Goins is not a talented <laughs> broadcaster. <laughs> Cheeto Roo, uh, he comes in with his own like Gracie train. Uh, the Gracies come in. His battle like, all these guys. Yeah, the battle conga. And uh, he's there with his dungeon master and, and his porn dealer, who is like a man with a blazer and no shirt on. Uh, and rules. I'm so yeah. happy he called him out. He's like a landlord at a Halloween party. He's just, just a weaselly, old, bald guy with a gold he's, chain and a blazer and nothing else. Nothing else. Yeah. His name is Charlie Anzalone, and he would go on yes. to work for the Nevada State Athletic Commission. You would see and him in the background. And it's his job to mug to the camera for some reason? Yeah. This was his like entry point into the world of MMA. I don't know what he did before this. Before I do, Harold he Howard. dealt meth to Harold. <laughs> <He Howard>. <laughs> no, this is real answer. He was a disco DJ. I found a bio of him written <laughs> yes. in the year two thousand. He dealt yes. meth to about about the fucking top forty disco hits that he really got an ear for and loved to spin. That's so. even better than anything. Wonderful. That's him. That yeah, that is that is a disco. It was two thousand words of his disco DJ background, meaning. I don't think he did a second thing before this. Like the the man's total biography was disco DJ until this day when he, he was became Harold's favorite DJ. That's why he was <laughs> right. there. He was recruiting for the battle conga and came up short a couple of guys. You know, you we have a saying back sense. home in Niagara Falls: "Give me BGs or give me death." Oh, so much time! I'm just laughing at Harold Howard. <laughs> they also we like during that to do that during that intro. They say he's got a movie career. He was in a kung fu episode. <laughs> oh, Jesus! <laughs> yes. Did they know? Did they know he was in a kung fu episode? Did he maybe sneak in the background of a kung fu episode? He might have driven his truck through it. Uh, which is a good time, Eddie. Why don't you tell the, the the story of what happened to Harold Howard? Okay, uh, <laughs> Harold Howard. Um, in yeah, as 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 Sean mentioned, he was uh, from the Niagara Falls region, um, which makes more sense because he tell me he went over it in a barrel. 
He drove his truck through the front door of a Niagara Falls casino. I've actually been to that casino. And uh, cause my wife is from Buffalo. And so like we would go like early in our dating, we went to uh, my, my in-laws, my, he took her on a walking tour of Harold Howard's life story. <laughs> no, like I legit, you can ask Rachel this. Like I, we're on our way there. I'm like, wait a minute, which, which casino are we going to? And they tell me, and I do a quick Google search and I find out it's the same one that Harold. Awesome. I took a moment. I took a moment. I just kind of stood like people do like at the mm. Washington Memorial and like, yeah. and, like have a moment. I was like, Something this important happened this here. Is Hunter, this is Howard, where he came on. This is this is where Harold <laughs> Howard drove his, his truck through. I think he's in jail. I don't know if he's still free. I, I don't know. I don't know what's become of Harold Howard since then. But if that he's was not his, in like, jail, he's about to be in jail again soon. I feel yeah, kind probably, of this, for this one moment. He looked great. He kind of beat the shit out of Roland. Uh, he with really just did haymakers. Just like he looked like a drunk guy hitting the the speed bag in a bar that like measures your punching power. Yes. Like he's just just these huge slow haymakers that Roland he seems to have like a no idea how to deal with. Suplex. He tried yes. it. It didn't work. Well, but it didn't work. He the, tried the other, it. Though, yeah, he and tried he is it. my goddamn hero. The other crazy thing was that like uh, the Roland Payne's like hype video was all about Muay Thai and how he's like his champion Muay Thai guy and his footage was all him heavy kicking a bag and looking like at least halfway decent. First three yeah. seconds of the fight, he shoots for a double leg takedown. Clearly had watched some Gracie in action videotapes and like uh-huh. had taken the guy down, passed him to side control. And then like Harold Howard just does like what we call in jujitsu, the white belt freak out escape, which is just like right. a back bridge where you just you you old man strength and throw the guy off of you from underneath. If like yeah. and, and it once in a blue moon, it works and it happened to work here. And then and he just raw brawled him down just. <laughs> Bar fights him down like he took his recycling. <laughs> Just Waffle House beat that man. <laughs> Definitely full Waffle House foo. He did the the Back to the Future uh, Crispin Glover like like I'm gonna hold my fist and shake it for a second and then throw it. Yeah, and it and he charged it up and it totally worked. It, like, it and it worked. It it charged worked. up and it worked. <laughs> he turned off that guy's brain with a punch <laughs> that literally everyone else saw coming in the entire arena. <laughs> <laughs> Like he mailed them a letter. Here comes there's, the punch. There's like a stage where you're playing a fighting game and you get really good at a fighting game and you can beat almost anybody except for like an eight-year-old because you have right. no idea what the fucking eight-year-old is going to do. Like you, yep. I, I have counters. I've memorized this. I've memorized that. None of it works because you're just like hopping in a corner and punching. And that was what he did. He just hopped in a corner and punched and nobody had... What do I do with the maniac? I didn't come here to fight a maniac. But... This guy tried That's to it. smoke me out before the match. I don't know what to do about this. And then uh, his his porn dealer, uh, what's his name? Charlie Anzalone. Charlie Anzalone. Gets in the camera with his, gives a double thumbs up with his just chest coming out of his blazer, naked chest coming out of his blazer. And he goes, <laughs> Howard, Howard. Yeah, baby. <laughs> just, that's it. So you put on a show. Everybody else oh, take note. So good. So now when they go to announce to- him, they, they go to talk to him and he just left. Like, he didn't stay for, for an interview, Harold Howard. They just, like, he took off. So what do they do? They cut to Gary Busey. Yeah, <laughs> Gary Busey's just hanging out. Yeah, he's just in this audience <laughs> the entire time. Of course Gary Busey is an early adopter of, of just maniacs hanging out. Of course, I heard well, he a, learned it. Heard there was a maniac festival and, here. Yes, he does have the same energy as Harold Howard. Yeah, uh, like Harold <laughs> Howard totally invited him. That was his plus one. Like it was his <laughs> plus, plus eight for the Battle of Conga and then plus one for Gary Busey. He like, he was, buying, 
You like handing I was like, he's Busey buying meth from Gary. And he's like, you know, <laughs> while I'm here buying meth from you, Gary Busey, maybe you, you come to my, watch my fight. Do you want to come to my ultimate fighting championship? And Gary Busey was like, I don't know what any of those, I don't know what that is, but I like the way those words sound. <laughs> ultimate fighting championship. Kimo is uh, the next fight. He's fighting Hoist Gracie. And they announce Hoist Gracie is a man who's earned over $110,000 in uh, fighting, which is, again, like... At the time, certainly good money, but just kind of like he's the greatest fighter in the world. And it's such a, that's like a plumber's yearly salary now. And he's like, literally can't, you can't be better at this thing that he's doing. And it's still better than 70% of the current UFC roster. A hundred percent. Yes. Like, uh, it's just funny to me, the sadness that they keep injecting here. Just like, like even their, their best fighter is still just like, eh, he should have, he should have learned how to be a dentist. You know, <laughs> uh, so Kimo's doing his warmups. What he's doing, two finger uppercuts with uh, oh, convicted God, rapist yes. murderer Joe Sun. Yes, uh, very strange. An unconvicted and murderer, Kimo. <laughs> unconvicted murderer, and he says his purpose is to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the whole world, as we mentioned. And he comes in on a full, like, hundred and ten pound wooden cross. He and- drags a fucking cross to the ring i could not could not believe it i could not believe that was happening he also has like a holocaust cloak i think is what you call it from princess <laughs> yeah Bride. he has a fucking vampire cloak he has a vampire <laughs> cloak and an actual cross and that's how he showed up to the ring can you imagine like going to fight that guy like i, I would rather fight the 600 pound man it's just for the presence yes. of like even even gracie knowing he's like the best fighter in the world like and can can handle this has to look at that and be like, okay, but I'm not doing this. Yeah, like, he's going to at least bite me. He he's going to try to eat me. He's definitely something bad is going to happen to me. Yeah. It's going to, it's got, nobody's going to like it. It's going to be against the rules. I'm still going to win, but something bad is going to happen. Uh, just, I did like Jim Brown's Jesus comment face. here. Jim Brown says, he'd bring a lot of things with him. Jim Brown. He's the best. Uh the other thing about the broadcast is the camera is always on the wrong guy. It's just a weird note I put in my notes. Uh, so they'll announce one guy, and it's oh, the camera's always showing somebody else. The broadcast is just broken. Um, yeah, during the introduction, there's one line we skipped over that I just wanted to to hit. With, they, they said that Kimo, like the biblical Samson and David, Kimo <laughs> believes he is a warrior in the service of the Lord. <laughs> That's the craziest fucking shit I've ever heard. Yeah. That made it into the broadcast. That's the broadcast announcer reading copy that says that. He thinks he's a paladin. He thinks he's like a street fighting paladin. If, if this were D&D, what would you think his order would be? Like order of light, order of vengeance? Like what would be his like, his like path as a paladin? Order did, of the I've alley. I've never played a paladin. So I've met Kimo. I met Kimo in 1997. And uh, at a jiu-jitsu tournament, uh, and he was just there because he was training with Joe Marrera at the time. He definitely and talked to you about Jesus. No, but what happened was what? I was standing next to him after like I had like introed myself and we chatted a little bit. And uh, another guy comes up and goes, hey, man, it's nice to meet you. He's like, oh, yeah, nice to meet you too, man. He's like, yeah, it's just really good to see like another Christian in there. And like the look on Kimo's face was like it took him a second. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. 
Like it was just like he's, he had to be reminded of like the giant fucking cross on his back. And I don't it just, is, so this is like a bit like he might not be a really devout Christian man. It's just like a, his character. What an ingenious I, bit. I don't know. Because I'm the like guy he, that you he, think might crucify himself in the ring. That's my favorite. My... If it's a bit, he's super committed to it because he has like multiple Jesus tattoos on him. Yeah, um, that's true. But it's like, but what was so interesting, just like, I don't know, for whatever reason, it was like so clearly far from his mind in that moment. Which I don't know, mm-hmm. like maybe he was struggling with. Pain. I don't know, like thinking just, about dogs or something. Yeah, right. something. he might have been chewing gum. I mean, like let's cut him some slack. I don't think he's a bright man. Uh, but Hoyce uh, does use Jim Brown's uh, personal fear against him uh, when he grabs his little ponytail. Like he spends a lot of the fight, like leading him around like a pony by his own ponytail. That's why Jim Brown is terrified of it. Yes. If anybody can grab your head snake, then they have complete control over you. But my favorite thing about this fight, and I've watched this fight like a million times, like my favorite thing about it is that this is clearly Hoyce's toughest fight to date because he's fighting someone For who sure. does not like fall down immediately when, when has Hoist, the fucking like, zeal, the maniac zeal of the Lord on yeah. his side. <laughs> yeah, they, I have like, met those crazy ass Christians, and like there's just a, an energy that you're that, not prepared that, for. All that Christ love is keeping Kimo's feet firmly bolted to the ground. Like, like, like Hoist has to actually like wrestle this guy, and clearly his cardio was like not in a place for this. And the right. best part is Ben Perry's commentary as it progresses, because like at one point Kimo has Hoist's back with hooks in, like, and he's yeah. got him flattened out. Which if Kimo knew half a percent like, more jujitsu than he knew that fight would have been over. Cause he had, he had uh-huh. voices back and flat out. And the entire time Ben Perry is like, Oh, well, he's, he's fine. That's fine. Everything's hey, fine. Just, totally yeah, fine. It's fine. This is totally fine. This is totally fine. This is normal. This is fine. normal. And like the fight goes on for three more minutes of that. And it's clearly not fine. Like it's just, it's, yeah. It's so funny to watch. Just whispering finally... about Jesus in his ear the whole time. Just fucking him up mentally. I love Jesus. I'm going to have sex with you now. Uh, so they, he, he finally gets the arm bar and it's just kind of mirac- like the last ditch effort, kind of a heroic, miraculous arm bar. And Joe Sun comes in somehow missing a shirt. And he's I can't just, believe I just can't believe he lost to an arm bar. You should need to burn like your full super. There needs to be some sort of fucking blacked out screen technique to beat chemo with that energy. <laughs> I, I don't disagree. Uh, they are kind of breaking a lot of the laws of our universe. Uh, but then here comes Joseph with no shirt, and he has to get kicked out by the referee. Uh, and this became a pattern for the evening of Joe Sun bursting into the ring shirtlessly. <laughs> uh, so then they they announce that uh, now they tell us that Hoyce is completely fucked up, and he came into this with a neck injury, and he just looks like he can't even stand. Like they're just like carting him out, and he can't walk. And um, there we go. That's uh, the quarterfinals. It's such a fucking maniac fight. I never expected. Like my notes. Coming into that, you could see just where it turns. I'm like, oh, I want to root for Kimo because he's the street fighting preacher. And that's just such a good character. But we've been taught that Gracie could just, you know, especially grappling if he's going to try grappling. And then Kimo just brings that fucking maniac juice, just drinks all of his maniac juice and runs at him. It's fucking crazy. It should have worked. It should have worked. If you're that He beat the shit out of Hoist Gracie. It should work. Uh, So then... Now we find out that uh, Keith Hackney broke his hand on Emmanuel Yarbrough's oh, is that skull. What happened? You <laughs> yeah. might you might be surprised at this, but he broke his hand after the repeated bare knuckle punches to the back of the man's giant skull. <laughs> 
The other thing about those punches, they started showing him in slow motion, and he is missing so wildly. Like, you're never going to have a more stationary target than this. And he is, like, throwing these crazy straight-armed, like, yeah, the straight golf swings. Thing. In, what is yeah. this? Like, he's so, like, even on a good impact, it looks like he's going to just, you know, like, hyper-extend his arm. And he's, like, missing and hitting the shoulder and the top of the head. And just his arm should have ripped off at the elbow, is, is my point. It's so the Earth could have two. done nothing, and that fight would have ended the same way. He would have just... Robert would have just right. sat there until he was too tired to sit there anymore, and that would have been the end of the fight. It was the yep. Earth 2 version of Brock Lesnar's punches in MMA. Brock Lesnar, in his MMA career, would throw these little fucking lunchbox hammer fists with, like, right. four inches of space, but they were accurate, and they... But eight gorillas of power. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Keith Hackney's were the, the inverse of that. They were from a distance, like the maximum distance you could possibly imagine. They barely made contact. They didn't do anything. They were horribly inefficient, and they broke his hand. They were like, it's just the polar yes. opposite. That's Kempo Karate right there. Uh, so he's being, he's replaced with Felix Lee Mitchell, yeah. who was the 1993 Wushu Kung Fu champion. That's not a, a thing. U.S. Army boxer. Yes, not a thing. And a U.S. Army boxer with a record of 3-1-1. One one. So an above-average amateur boxer. Uh, he's a first-level master of Shaolin Kung Fu. First level. And he looks and like... a corrections officer. <laughs> yes, and a, yeah. and a prison guard. Multiple sub-ins like are, most... are law enforcement officers. <laughs> it's true. That's where they get their alternates from. He looks like a generic creator wrestler. Like, you can't describe this man. He's just kind of a, a dude. Uh, he comes in, he's, he's got his own little Gracie train, his own little uh, battle conga, and uh, his trainer, it's just him and his trainer, though. And so he's just got his hands on this man who kind of looks like Nick Swartzen playing an aging pervert. And he's just, a, he's standing straight up. It, I, I don't know how to describe it other than it looks like like a zombie sort of being led by someone who's figured out how to get the zombie not to bite them. It just, it's the most unintimidating, unexciting entrance uh, from a man with zero personality. The perfect replacement. And he comes in wearing gloves. Nobody learned anything. Nobody learned a single lesson from the first UFC. Nobody even watched it. It's not just that he's wearing gloves. He's wearing uh, f- foam, like vinyl-dipped foam karate gloves, like the yeah, gloves that your that your kid would wear in point karate tournaments. And the best part is, he gets in the ring. Ken Shamrock enters the ring, and he immediately takes them off. He's this like, is a he's bad like, idea. I just like, realized shit, this is a real shit, bad idea. Shit, I gotta get rid of these. Like <laughs> Ken Shamrock looks like he wants to eat me. Like he wants he's to like, just like, unhinge his jaw. He would if he could, and just swallow me like a snake. I'm gonna take the gloves off. Maybe he thought like it was a glove fight, and they saw Ken Shamrock. Oh, oh, no, oh, no gloves. Oh, we're not, we're not doing gloves. I we're think lucky he didn't take off his really pants to match to fight Ken, Ken Shamrock's Shamrock. panties. Yeah, well, that's maybe true too. Ken Shamrock is a very intimidating looking man. In and addition, he just he comes in there like he's so happy to be there, like yeah, like just an excited dog that's waiting for the command. <laughs> the 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 early UFCs were known for their like logistical failure points, and like Fred Edish was told he was going to fight about seven minutes before he fought. So, right. so like, I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be surprised at all if, like, no one knew what the rules were at all at any given time. Uh, but here's a fun rule clarification. Uh, as they're fighting, uh, one of the announcers says, you get fined, uh, and the money that you are fined goes to the guy you, like, foul. <laughs> there's, so, there's no eye gouging or biting, yes. but you're not disqualified. You're fined $1,000, no. and that goes to your opponent, <laughs> yeah, which is the amazing because they also says that you, you get $5,000, for winning, 
We already right. know that. So you gouge out two eyes and you're still making three grand. Three grand. You give the you give him two thousand dollars to fix his eyes. Uh, whatever to buy a stick to, to you <laughs> and a dog. Uh, so this fight is really funny to me because uh, this guy who's a boxer just does nothing. He has no reflexes. He doesn't throw any punches. And Ken Shamrock just kind of walks in and gets double underhooks. Like yep. the easiest, yep. safest entry to grappling anyone's ever had. He's just like, you're just going to let me walk up and hug you? Okay. Okay, I'll do it. And then he kind of does nothing with it for what seems like four hours. Ken is so unusually weird. tired at this point too, by the way. He's yeah, like- That's he, true. Yeah, he he's kind of exhausted. Yeah, he was pretty winded. He had already broken his hand in the first fight. Like he he was like he was just not he was like oh whatever like he just designing like, there, those punches and there were like rumors at this point that because like we didn't mention that Hoist left the chemo fight fucking exhausted like they were literally carrying him out of the ring and so there was already rumblings that Hoist might not be able to fight and the whole point the whole reason Ken came back for this one was to fight Hoist again and so like his motivation is gone throughout most of this fight he just like he's in the standing clinch forever with Felix. And then Felix grabs his panties, which is the ultimate leverage. Ken can't do anything when you're grabbing his panties. Uh, but he does finally let go and they fall. And then once, once that happens, it's over pretty instantly. But Ken gets up and he just looks like he got put together wrong. Like his foot's on sideways and shit. And so it looks like this guy is out of the tournament too. Uh, so now they have like a tournament mostly made out of men. Uh, yeah, they designed this hamburger. tournament around, I, even I could tell they designed it around those two. They were like, we have these two. Yeah. We have a little bit of budget left over. Find whoever is funny, dude. The, and then, like, the, yeah. The, well, I mean, I was gonna say the the poster for UFC three, like ahead of the event, was literally Ken and uh, and Hoyce, like in like squaring off, and like right. uh, it was called the American Dream, the rematch. Even though it was like a tournament bracket where they're on opposite ends of the bracket, like they just figured these two they things would be in the end, yeah. And they had but no system, and they had the well, they had some system in place, but they had the worst possible system worst in place for if place. this happens. Yeah, which was just grab anybody, just like the, apparently both both of them were cops. Like I'm gonna assume they were working security, and they're like, "Fuck, you got to fight. You <laughs> okay. got to get in there." Local cops, that's it. Like just local cops, and that's that'll be a thing through like UFC 10. Like they always try to get like local, and then like whoever's a tough guy. Then more often than not. The local tough guy was like some kind of like army or, or law enforcement. Well, we're about to go into the second semifinal match between Harold Howard and Hoist Gracie. Oh, yes. And and so they I was play. so excited. I wrote down if Howard was allowed to throw glass, this match would be a lock. <laughs> and it would have been. It would have been. Uh, see, Harold, he can appreciate the grappling more than the others. That's what he's. These are his words because he's a grappler himself as a karate fighter. And I wrote down this quote. I imagine you guys might have too. But um, he says, for the last few years, he's been creating a system of fighting that brings the karate aspect back into jujitsu. And these are his words, which means that I'm I'm working so that the person does not have to get to grapple you. So I'm looking forward to meeting Mr. Gracie on the mat. But it's I'm also gun. looking forward to... to <laughs> yes. He finishes by saying he's allowing... Um, looking forward to... Uh, to allowing myself to uh, let my karate aspect of it take over too. So that <laughs> is incredible word salad. It's nothing. <laughs> he said so much about nothing. To, to say, I love him. God, I'm I'm really resisting like the fucking actually karate nerd. Like I'm really resisting to like be that guy. But fuck it. Like aside from the word salad, even if you like distilled it down into something resembling a coherent sentence, like. 
there's never been a karate aspect to jiu-jitsu or vice versa. They were like two separate things. Karate came from sure. Okinawa by way of China. Jiu-jitsu was like a samurai thing, like pretty much inherent to Japan, slightly influenced, but like thousands of years ago by China. These are like two ships in the night that never pass each other. That's like saying, I'm going to bring the winger aspect back into Hall and Oates. Like it's just, it's not, it does oh, not. Oh, I would like that. I would like that. I'm not saying I wouldn't enjoy it. I'm just saying theoretically it never happened. Like it just, I'm telling like, you, he's, right. uh, he understands karate like a meth head. Like every meth head understands karate. You do enough mm-hmm. meth, there's a point where you're like, maybe I do know karate. And he just like stayed at that point. He just kept <laughs> that the needle, high up The needle there. stayed steady and it never dipped or fluttered. It just it pinged that one area. He's, he's definitely got the energy of someone who's never been like listened to for more than 10 seconds. Like they're like, hey, can you tell me about your style of martial arts? Like he's like, oh, wow, no one's... Literally, no one's ever sat still long enough for me to answer a question. And everybody else has just stops and is like, "I'm trying to catch a bus here, man." Okay. Yeah. I buddy, just I, I, thank you for the meth. I, I we are not friends like this. <laughs> uh, so, so they fight, uh, and it's a glorious. Spe- oh no, wait, it's it's not like Hoist Gracie throws in the towel the second the fight's about to start. I guess he like thought he would dying. like. He just yeah, holds he, on to the side like, of the ring and dies for a while. Harold <laughs> like, over there like yes. I'm going to do it. He's going to fight me like this. I'm just going to break him in half. It's like the Gracie family saw, uh, they saw Gladiator and they're like, oh, this is a great way to block punches. Then they saw Weekend of Bernie's and they said, oh, this is a great way to fucking win a fight. <laughs> so they just, Weekend of Bernie's hoist in there thinking that this would work out for them and, and it hit them very quickly. Oh no, this is not going to work. They realize that he's going to lose to that guy. That everybody's right. going to watch him lose to just... Just a tweaker on a street that you cross the street to avoid. Like, right. No, nobody's going to go to the dojo. The guy that lost to the tweaker. The rich, rich, the G man. I have this in my notes. Rich, the G man goins announced Hoist as the two time defending ultimate fighting champion champion. <laughs> I love that. Love it. And, uh, this brings me to my favorite ultimate fighting championship moment of all time. I think oh, I mentioned this in the first God, podcast about it. I love this. Where? Yeah, I, I was going to ask, is this that moment? This is that this moment. This is that right? moment. Do you want to describe this? Howard is just jumping around, got that crazy meth energy, and Royce is clearly dying on the side, and they finally throw in the towel. Howard is just fucking furious. Just He was so excited to get to tear the little man apart. He had been apparently inventing a system of bringing karate into jujitsu, like some sort of jujitsu rati. I'm, I'm gonna and it got taken it from him. And he Just was going to test it. From his, He's going to test yeah. it. This is finally what he was going to do. He's going to test his Gracie destruction system and see if it worked. And he was so mad and he runs out and his manager is just runs into the ring and is celebrating like his crew is on top of the world. They're all bouncing around him and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they see how mad he is. And they're like, oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, oh. shucks. And then, oh, and then afterwards, doesn't he like go into the camera again and like go on yeah. some rant? Like, and like the nature of the rant is like, he's sad, but he's happy and Harold Howard, baby. And at the end of it, he yeah. is like a little, ah, like he's exhausted just from like existing just that long. From, I don't know. It's, yeah. oh God, the whole thing is so good. It's so great. I love that energy of like, yeah, you fucking, oh no, yeah, too bad. No, God. I'm, mad. I'm upset too. Gosh darn it, Harold. We did it. And then, you um, it's, it's the hype man version of like tripping and then doing a little jog afterwards to make it seem yeah. like it was, you didn't just trip. It was really good. And then Kimo and Joe Sun both come down to shirtlessly gloat. So it's just like five minutes of people gloating that Hoist Gracie like is very hurt. 
He uh, runs into the ring. The guy that lost the fight, <laughs> yes. gracefully, runs into the ring to take credit for the victory of that yeah. didn't take place. We kind of skipped it's over the so fact. Nuts. We kind of skipped over the fact that during the Kimo and Hoist fight, there were like four times where. Helio Gracie almost like fucking emerged from his sarcophagus to beat the shit out of Joe San. Cause they were like, <laughs> Joe San was starting shit with the entire Gracie family in yeah. their corner. Cause back then they didn't have like corners. So wherever the fight went to the cage, the cornermen would just go and provide like instruction. And you had like seven Gracie brothers, like fuck it. You had like fucking Helson and you had Horian back there. You had like half the Gracie team back there, including, um, uh, here hand job. Yeah. Hand job. Yeah. Yeah, All of them back there. And then Joson literally trying to like talk shit to them while they're there. And like, and big John is literally screaming the entire time. Like get away from there. Get away. Oh God. So good. Fuck off the fucking apron for Good damn this it. was the perfect time to cut away to Gary Busey looking like, why are you cutting away to me? <laughs> He's also taking off his shirt to gloat. <laughs> like, do I get in there? Is this Busey time now? I'm ready. It's Busey time. You know I'm always ready. To be clear, it just occurred to me, there's three men without shirts on, none of them involved in the fight, gloating about a fight that did not happen. <laughs> it's very it's messy. such a wreck. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a wreck. And then they, they this is the point where they realize for the first time, oh, we don't know what to do. Like yes. we had an alternate to sub in if like you lose right now, but then he threw in the towel and then like this is the fight that this is what it's all built around and it's gone. And so they just start like recapping all of the other fights. And they're yeah. just like, just killing time while somebody back there just argues and tries to figure out what the fuck to do. And Ben Perry does like an instructional of like Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He's like, well, and then he's like, he did this with the arm and he goes over here and it's like, it's, and like the other two are just like, what the fuck are you on right now? Yeah, like, what, it was so what are we doing? During that recap, which was totally useless, Jim Brown said one thing that was great, which was Jim Brown said, uh, when you're able to punch anybody, you're able to take away all of their skills. He's not wrong, right? He's not wrong. He's not wrong at all. He's not he's factually wrong. He's been hit Brilliant. so many times. Yeah. Like, he used to know True. math. He can tell you. <laughs> Your skills, they go away. I don't know how to work a screwdriver. Yeah. You know I used what? to be able to jump rope. <laughs> Can't now. Couldn't even tell you what it looks like. <laughs> so, of the four uh, winners, only one guy advanced at all. Uh, and it was... Harold Howard. Was oh, Harold my God. Howard, who just got in one methed up fight and then just, just one big haymaker, a guy who can't see punches coming. And here he is in the UFC finals against another alternate, Steve Jenham, a ninja cop uh, from. Uh, he's the guy from Omaha, right? Omaha. Yeah, he's ninja. from Omaha. Omaha. Cop. Omaha ninja cop. Omaha yes. ninja cop. That's uh, that's honestly my favorite movie from uh, from the makers of Ninja Showdown. <laughs> Is Omaha Ninja mm-hmm. Cop. I Ninja cannot Cop believe. Good. I cannot believe they subbed in a Ninja Cop to <laughs> fight the meth head who had it's no just, fights. It's, it's his first fight of the night too. <laughs> it's his first fight of the night. First he's fight of the ever. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> he's, he studies jiu-jitsu. He's not allowed to bring any smoke bombs. So <laughs> right. And his it's just his, like his tagline is "I'm here to bust the ultimate fighting championship." It's just fucking. Full ninja shit. It's oh, just I love it. Not the first ninja in the UFC. The first ninja was the opponent of Pat Smith in two. Uh, that guy, I wasn't here for the two one, but that guy had my favorite 
uh, pre-fight commentary ever. Uh, he like does his little shtick, and then he goes, "Hi, my name is whatever, and I'm from Robert Bus's Warriors International. I came to win." And then his face goes idle for about seven seconds yes. before they cut away. Yes, I know. I remember it now that you mention it. I came to win. And then he just and face I'm goes done. I shut off. Go ahead. You can keep yeah. the camera there if you want, but I'm done moving. I'm done. I'm done. I'm preserving energy because I'm a ninja. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, I right can't we listened to the frank dukes ninja podcast and he was talking about how a ninja needs to be able to, like shut off their nervous system so they can like hide that's in a place for days without pooping or eating <laughs> that's what he did that's what he totally did <laughs> yeah totally. Uh, that's some frank duke shit uh so i have here we are with and that that every cop thinks he's a ninja and every meth head thinks he knows karate and we finally got to test it this is be- it's so beautiful testing it this is the the country scientific test that we've been trying to run for decades. It just never had the ethics to make it happen until this series of circumstances, these series of, of beneficial accidents. Just a wonderful now, cl- Clearly, there's nothing interesting or crazy that happens in this fight. So uh, no, I think we can just skip it. Yeah, we can just skip the somersaulting wheel kick. Oh, he yes. tried a flash kick. <laughs> he tried Guile's flash kick in real life. He tried holding down and then up and kick. I can't believe he fight uh, like the first the first move was so good. Was the flash that, kick. that that kick has since been named Rolling Thunder. Uh it's it's occasionally done in MMA. Uh and once in a blue moon, it like every 5 years somebody actually nails one, maybe longer, maybe like 10 years. Someone will actually yeah, about every it. 10 years. About every 10 years someone will actually nail it in competition and like I, I credit where it's due. Harold Howard is the first man in MMA to ever try a Rolling Thunder. <laughs> to ever try doing a forward somersault heel kick. Yeah, at, at a confused man like eight feet too far away to land. Like not, not even in the same time zone. <laughs> and it's not like Chicago. it's not like a forward roll where he's landing clearly on his shoulders and then rolling forward. He's doing a straight pro wrestling front bump. He's like yeah. going off the ground and like slamming down full body into the mat. Like uh, yeah, all or nothing. Fight. But but what if it worked and it ended the fight right there? I mean, right. I mean that's, that's that's what was playing in his head. That's what the meth was telling him. The meth risk was saying, is, the risk is worth the works. reward. Yeah, exactly. It's not his craziest idea. It's that's the thing. And all the things he, all the decisions he makes, it's not at all his like worst idea. Well, yeah, just just of the night. Like meth told him to enter this tournament. Meth told him to just not put up a guard. Meth told him to face first karate. Meth told him just throw haymakers. <laughs> meth got him to the championship. To the match. finals Why of the UFC. Start three? doubting meth right now. Yep. Yeah, yep. you don't start doubting meth now. <laughs> so they, they, neither one of these guys have any defense. So when I they're mean, throwing shots, meth it, all night. <laughs> they, they're just like slapping against each other, right? Then Harold gets him in a head. Uh, uh, I, I guess you would call it a guillotine choke in heavy quotes. It's more like a front headlock. But Harold Howard thinks that this is the ultimate submission hold, and he puts his entire soul into it. Harold is trying to pull his goddamn head off with what I think he thinks is a guillotine, and they get on the ground, and Steve goes for a ninja throat rip. Now, this is something <laughs> I didn't notice until this time I watched it. But totally it looks does. like he sort of reaches down with one hand and goes for like... He does the claw. He tries to Yeah, do he the does claw. like a little neck claw. <laughs> kind of like, gives up on He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess this doesn't work. I saw this in all those ninja books. This I is saw this bullshit. in a cartoon. It, it should work. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, that's kind of most of what happens in this fight. Now, they trade some shots. They, they scramble. And then uh, Jenum gets the mat. Ninja Cop 
gets the mount and he's on top of Harold Howard. And he doesn't really do much here yet. It's just Howard How- Harold Howard's in trouble. So what Harold Howard does is he taps the mat once very firmly to say, I give up. And then immediately brings his hand up for a handshake as if to say, gosh, darn it, Ninja Cop, you beat the best. <laughs> so, And as they're, as they're recapping it, they announce that the Ninja Cop also invented his own combat system. Yes. So the final match of UFC 3 was two men with no training who invented their own <laughs> style of martial arts. Their own fighting arts. styles, yes. One a meth head from Canada and one a Ninja Cop from Omaha. And then that... How was this a legitimate thing after this tournament? This should be... How did this not end in shame? It's wonderful, but... Well, they they tried to, like... Basically, they build UFC 4 as, like, the return of Hoist Gracie. And then he, like, won that whole... And then introduced Dan Severn, who, like, was a big star for them for a long time. And then five was built around the super fight between Shamrock and, and Hoist, which that's good Lord. There's that, that's a whole, that's a podcast. Not the best fight, not the best fight at all. And then like after that, then they actually just introduced the idea of titles. In addition to the tournament, they introduced the, like the very first belts. And then that became mm-hmm. like a thing that became enough to like sustain it. But yeah, right. But, yeah. This, this, so Steve Jenham is now the UFC champ after one minute and 27 seconds of, Fighting experience, period. Yep. <laughs> and he, he would go on to get one more win against a, a no-name tuna can and then lose three straight and then retire. So that was the ultimate fighting champion. Uh, that was the, the final match. Were a, a guy who gave up when he got punched a couple times and an alternate who would go on to have no fight career. Both <laughs> of which had no training and invented, indeed thought it was a good idea, represented themselves in the court of fighting. And it's just... It's so good. Yeah, oh, it's and so good. Jim Brown. Jim Brown had the best quote of the night after afterwards, when they were showing uh, what was what was the ninjas? It doesn't matter. Ninja Steve Cop. They were showing Steve Ninja Cop. No, no, it's Ninja Cop. When they were showing Ninja Cop celebrating, <clears throat> Jim Brown said, "I tell you something, Brian. When we see him again, he's going to be in trouble. So he should enjoy <laughs> this." <laughs> and Brian, just, Brian comes back and says yeah he's a marked man that is not what Jim Brown meant yeah that's not what he meant Brian <laughs> he meant this was a idiot. joke fight and he came in totally fresh for <laughs> yeah. a guy that did not know how to fight at all and was coming down from a meth high and he's going to show up again like he knows how to fight and he's going to get hurt I believe this was also the very first time and, and not but the last by any stretch of imagination where Jim Brown will call him Horse Gracie like just <laughs> like he finally got his he got his head around uh, the idea of the Portuguese R, uh, which is pronounced like an H. He he got that part, but his the other part of his brain couldn't let go of putting an R in there somewhere. So it, wait, it so it's out, not it's not Rand job. It's not no, it's not that. It's it's uh, it's, it's it's not Rand job. It's hand job, Gracie. I want to talk about the Harold Howard post fight interview. Um, he says to Ben. He says, well, I told you if it worked, it worked. And it didn't, I didn't. So in the end, it didn't. I love you, children. I love you, wife. And I believe it or not, I love my family, too. And then he just left. And, and Ben screamed at his back. Unbelievable. Just super. Great fight. A really great fight. Nothing. There's nothing better than that. Oh, there's man. nothing better than that told, interaction. That was his, that was his, that's his fighting philosophy. Is if it worked, it worked. And if it didn't work, it didn't work. And it That's didn't, why he tried the flash kick. If it didn't, I didn't. And it didn't, so I didn't. Got it. You know what? I'm going to say it. 
I think he came on. Is there a final ruling on whether he came on or not? Have we Has this been decided in the court of public opinion, whether or not he actually came on? I think he came on. I think we're all trying to come up with some sort of an exit line for the podcast. And I told you if it worked, it worked. And it didn't, I didn't. So in the end, it didn't. I love you, children. I love you, wife. And I, believe it or not, I love my family, too. Einstein Hunter Frankfurt. Einstein Hunter Frankfurt. Welcome to the 871st Bi-Weekly Hot Dog Kumite. Here are your supreme fighters. Three Finger Louie, Adam Ruth, a seventh Dan Brown Belt, Adrian H, Aiden Moet, Alpha Scientist Javo, Armando Nava, Benjamin Cyranen, Brandon Garlock, Brianne Whitney, Master of Windmill Style, Chase McPherson, Children Love the Meat Millie, Chris Brower, Curious Glare, Dan B, Donald Finney, Dean Costello, Best Brick Breaker for Best Bottom Brick Break, Dr. Awkward, Eric Spaulding, Fancy Show, Gelaho, Haraka, Hot Fart, Functionally Invisible in a Navajo White Gee, Jaber Al Aiden, Jeremy Neal, John, 17th Dan Yellow Belt, John McCammon, John Minkoff, Josh Fabian, Josh S. Ken Paisley, KNM, Laziest Man on Mars, Lyman, Mark, Master of Constipated Tiger Style, Matt Cortez, Matt Riley, Mike Stiles, Moju, ND, Neil Bailey, Neil Schaefer, Nick Relston, Nick H, Patrick Herbst, Rhiannon, Rich Joslin, Sarkovsky, Sammy Leahy, Toasty God, 42nd Day and Dan Belt, Tom Sekula, Yasarian, and your returning champion, Aaron Croston, world record holder for fastest vehicular manslaughter with knockout, 7.2 seconds.